710 ESPN. This is Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. You know, I'm a born and raised Laker fan. I'm literally the only reason why I think I have this opportunity to have this microphone in front of me is because I'm passionate about the brand. I'm passionate about the Lakers. A lot of it just comes natural. I'm not forcing any of it. Lakers Talk continues right now. Here's Alan Sliwa. All right, 91-81, the Clippers over the Phoenix Suns. Fourth quarter just started, about 30 seconds into the fourth quarter. Um, Let's start with this series for a quick second. Clippers versus the Suns, we're doing our top NBA stories. Trevor Lane coming up a little bit later in the show. I'll probably wait for this game to end to bring Trevor on. Um, So, you know, this series has been, I don't know, fascinating is the right word to describe it. Um, Confusing. I think maybe that's a better way to describe it. The playoffs have been incredibly confusing this entire time. But the Clippers and the Suns, so the Clippers had many chances to have had this series tied at two apiece. And I'm going to key in on Paul George real quick. And by the way, as I key in on him, he's going to shut me up with his performance so far tonight. I'll get into that. I'll I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. Travis and I were talking about um, what we've learned from Paul George. We're talking about that this morning. And I'll tell you what I've learned from him. 100% he's one of those players that if he's the primary focal point, I feel like he, he steps up his game more. I feel I feel like he's less dependent on others and says, okay, this is on my back. I, I got to do more. So I, I think he rises to the occasion. Since Kawhi Leonard went out, uh, and I'm not telling you that Paul George has been an efficient player because there's a lot of games he's incredibly inefficient. And Michael Thompson you know, beat it over my head over the course of the last two seasons doing the pregame show with him. When I say somebody dropped 40, he'll say, okay, cool. How many shots did he take? Well, he took 25 shots. He'll say, well, that's an awful game. What do you mean he shot under 40%? Basically what Michael Thompson would try to emphasize was you might have a good personal individual performance. You might have a lot of points, but did you do it efficiently or did you not? This is what I've learned from Paul George. PG has been He's been really, really good since Kawhi Leonard went out. And that's not to say that there weren't games where he performed when Kawhi was there. But this is another thing that I I learned from Paul George. When it's crunch time, I don't feel good giving Paul George the ball. I don't feel good putting Paul George in front of the free throw line. Um, You know, a perfect example is this. Trey Young throughout these playoffs has been in predicaments, whether against the Knicks, whether against Philadelphia, whether against Milwaukee. He's been in predicaments where he's got to go up to the free throw line in a crucial situation, and he doesn't have to think twice. Both of those free throws are hitting nylon, and let's move on. For Paul George, it's a completely, completely different predicament. There's certain players, and I'm a big fan of Kellerman's show, Max Kellerman's show. Kellerman always does, he always talks about how there's certain players when um, the moment gets bigger, they take their game even higher. So whatever their average is, if they're 80% free throw shooter, but in crunch time, they're now 87%. And there's other players that that percentage goes down, that they know it's crunch time, that they could tell that the moment is on their shoulders. And Paul George has been one of those players. This is the one thing that I've learned about him in as great and as much as I talked about in that 7 o'clock hour that I'm giving the Clippers credit for where they're at because I wasn't expecting them to be here. When Kawhi Leonard was out, you know, Laker fan or not, here I am. I tell you guys all the time, I'm rooting for the Suns to win this series. Give credit where it's due. Give credit to the Clippers of being in this predicament right now. But Paul George does not want that ball in crunch time. That's why Kawhi Leonard 
you know, I, I, I talked about uh, talked about this this morning as well. Kawhi is a perfect closer for the Clippers. The reason why Clippers are down three games to one against the Suns, they don't have a closer. PG is not your closer. And as I sit here and say that, Suns down seven. Paul George, 12 of 16 from the field tonight. 31 points for Paul George, also eight rebounds. So he's obviously having an incredible game, and he's also doing it very efficiently. I don't know. Listen, I just assumed tonight this series was over that the Phoenix Suns were going to handle the Clippers and they're going to the NBA Finals. The Clippers obviously don't think that. There's there's this resiliency with the Clippers I think you have to respect. Nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Phoenix has never led in this game. You know, last time the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals was back in the Chicago Bulls. Uh, you know, the, the run that they had, it was Charles Barkley and it was Dan Marley and Dick Danny Ainge, Kevin Johnson, whatever the case. It's been a long time since they've been in the finals. So the fact that they're on the brink in Phoenix and it's been the Clippers controlling this game this entire time without Avica Zubots, without Kawhi Leonard, um, yeah, that's a little bit of a surprise. So keep you guys posted on this game. Um, I want to go to the Hawks and the Bucks here as we continue our top NBA stories. Kind of a disappointing game last night. Let me kind of explain what I'm referring to here. Trey Young has arguably been the most exciting player in the playoffs this postseason. Trey Young. Not Luka, not Paul George, not Giannis, not Kevin Durant, not LeBron James, not James Harden, not Anthony Davis. Trey Young, you can easily make the argument, has been the most exciting player so far in the playoffs. And here we are. Was it in the third quarter? I think late in the third quarter, the dude steps on a referee's foot, turns his ankle, and is now questionable for tomorrow's game four in Atlanta. Is that not the perfect way to describe this year for the NBA? Is that not the perfect way to describe this year in the NBA where key players just let the postseason keep rolling on? And you saw, you know, you kind of see this just develop on its own key players whether it was before the postseason started and there's no Jamal Murray or AD goes down with his injury or Kawhi Leonard or Donovan Mitchell's hobbled or Mike Conley can't play or Kyrie Irving goes down with the the ankle injury James Harden with a hamstring this is kind of a literally I, I saw it yesterday I'm like of course of course this happens of course, Trey Young would step on a referee's foot. Of course, the ref is standing right there, and the timing of that play just happens to be that. That is a perfect, I guess you could say, breakdown of what's happened this year in the NBA. I hope Trey Young comes back. Unfortunately, um, you know, questionable for tomorrow. What you were hoping was, you know, everybody's expecting the Milwaukee Bucks to get to the NBA Finals. But what you're hoping for is maybe an extended series. Maybe Atlanta can make some noise. This series becomes nothing if Trey Young is not 100% or at least as close to 100% as possible. We'll see what develops. Uh, we'll see what develops there. Um, okay, a couple other things from uh, top NBA stories that I thought was interesting. So one of the things that um, uh, happened over the weekend, she had Jason Kidd. Um, Jason Kidd ends up uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, and he'll be the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. It's kind of an interesting journey for Jason Kidd because if you remember when Jason Kidd got hired by the Lakers and then the Lakers eventually went out and got Lakers head coach Frank Vogel and the conversation just simply became, okay, well, um, 
if things don't go right with Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd's going to step right in there. Oh, you know what? Frank Vogel is just holding that spot until Jason Kidd gets it. That's kind of how Jason Kidd came into the Lakers. That's how Lakers head coach Frank Vogel came into the mix. That obviously never happened. Vogel delivered. Vogel was great, um, you know, in his first two years as the head coach of the Lakers. And now Jason Kidd gets an opportunity to go coach the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, and we'll see kind of what's happened there. Um, It's been a big mix-up over the last two weeks in Dallas. And now the latest report, I forgot who reported it, but the, the conversation of, well, Luka and Porzingis don't like each other. So there's been a lot of shakeup going in Dallas. The latest one is a new head coach. We'll see how Jason Kidd ends up doing with the Dallas Mavericks. But obviously his time with the Lakers, time well spent, won an NBA championship, had a, a nice message to Lakers Nation. Lakers had a nice message for Jason Kidd. Now all of a sudden he's in the Western Conference representing another team. Okay, the final NBA story that I want to get into. And this is actually going to lead me into um, a player that I want to talk about. So Chauncey Billups will be the new head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Um, signs a five-year deal with the Portland Trailblazers. Chauncey currently an assistant right now with the Clippers. You know, there was a report that came out that Damian Lillard, this was coming from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, not happy with the situation in Portland. Um not happy with what's going on with the Portland Trailblazers, the current situation in the sense that if the team doesn't improve, he tried to focus his way away from the Trailblazers. So, listen, I don't know what's going to happen to Damian Lillard. Um, I will just say this. Chauncey Billups, a former player, obviously, uh, with the Portland Trailblazers. Jason Kidd, a former player with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, two guys that are not that far from their career, so there's a lot of just natural fans that know what those guys were on the floor. We'll see how they do outside of it, and I know this isn't Jason Kidd's first stint, but this is going to lead me into my next topic because I read some articles today. Go, go right now, type in type in Los Angeles Lakers into Google, and you'll start seeing things come up about Damian Lillard. So when we come back, I want to talk about Damian Lillard. And I want to talk about, for those who think, is there a way that we can get Damian Lillard on the Los Angeles Lakers? I don't know if I'm going to be on that boat simply because I don't think it's realistic. We'll do that when we come back. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Oh, this is a great question here. You know, one of my coworkers I've worked with for over 10 years at the radio station, Mark Cates, sends this text, anyone else get bothered when the Clippers get the Beat LA chant? They don't deserve the Beat LA chant. Come on, Suns fans. That's an excellent point. You know, I, I, I didn't look at it that way. For the first time, I was with him when I was uh, watching, what was it, the first two games that are in Phoenix. I hear beat L.A. I'm like, yeah, beat L.A. <laughs> you know, you're not accustomed to making that cheer, but the Clippers are in the Western Conference Finals. I'm cheering from home, beat L.A. 
That's a great that's a great point there, Mark. Do they deserve the beat LA chant? You gotta earn the beat LA chant. You can't just walk into your first Western Conference finals and all of a sudden you get the beat LA chant. Gotta have a conversation with Suns fans out there. Uh ninety eight ninety four. The Clippers uh, up by four against the uh, Phoenix Suns right now with about seven minutes left to go. So the game getting tight. Phoenix 16-7 to to start out that fourth quarter. I said this before. This is how this game has played out so far. Clippers jumped out to a huge early lead. I want to say they were up 12 or 15 points in that first quarter. Suns come back. Get it down to six or four, something along those lines. Clippers get it back up to nine. Down to four. Clippers get it up to 12. So it's gone kind of back and forth here. So now we'll see if the Suns can make this 98-94 deficit. Do they turn this into a lead? Can they finally take the lead and let kind of that that crowd take over? Or will the Clippers continue to do what they've done so far? So 98-94 in that game. And then top of the fourth, Dodgers up 2-1 to on the San Francisco Giants. So I want to get into this story about Damian Lillard. Because Chris Haynes, who reported this, uh, let, let me kind of read what the report was. All right. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported that Lillard was unhappy with his current situation in Portland and that if the situ- situation didn't improve, he could try and force his way away from the Trailblazers. Um, I, I just kind of want to say this. And this was uh, me going on SB Nation, Silver Screen and Roll, kind of reading that article. Give them some credit there. Um, I, I want to say this about. The Lakers have built championships. They've they've been contenders in the past, wanting doing it in one of three ways. Okay? And most teams in the NBA don't have the luxury of doing this three different ways. Let me explain what I'm referring to here. You can draft a star and he becomes an icon, becomes a legend. Lakers drafted Jerry West, right? Lakers drafted Kobe Bryant. They drafted Magic Johnson. They drafted James Worthy. This is a way that the Lakers have used that model, is that you go and you draft a guy and he becomes an absolute superstar. doesn't always happen, right? Lakers had uh, three number two picks over the last six years. D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram. Remember Julius Randle went a little bit later. Uh, who was their other number two pick? Julius uh, Lonzo Ball. So it, it doesn't always pan out that way. But we're talking about some of the biggest names that the game has created. They've been drafted by the Lakers and only played with one team. Um, you know, throw Elgin Baylor in the mix. I'm sure there's other greats that I'm missing out here. But Jerry West, Kobe, Magic, James Worthy. That's one way to build a championship contender. And a lot of times you got to do it. It's a combination of doing different things. I'm not saying that one thing is the only way that you get it done, but the Lakers have different ways of getting to, um, you know, getting where they want to get to. Another way that the Lakers have done it is trading for a star. Lakers traded for Kareem. Remember, Kareem was in Milwaukee. Now, a lot of times you see the Milwaukee Bucks, who are in the um, Eastern Conference Finals. A lot of times these games are playing and say, well, the the Milwaukee Bucks haven't won a championship since, and it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in the 70s. So they traded for a star like Kareem. Lakers obviously traded for a star like Pau Gasol. They traded for a star like Anthony Davis. There's another route that you can take, either solo or in combination, usually in combination. And then another way you could do it is you could sign a star through free agency. Lakers have done that as well. Shaq, LeBron, Jamal Wilkes. 
I know other players, I'm not going to pay attention to them. They, they signed Malone, Payton. Okay, they're end of their careers. But there's other Laker greats that the Lakers signed through free agency. So you got all these avenues that you can go to build a contender for the Lakers. That's not the case for a lot of other a lot of these other franchises. It's just not the case. This takes me back to Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. As the Lakers have all these different ways to be successful, certain franchises don't have that luxury. They don't have all these options. Obviously, a clear advantage for the Lakers. Most franchises have to draft and they have to build. So the Portland Trailblazers, it's a great example of this. They don't have a list of free agents waiting to come play in Portland. And there was a time, by the way, that that list of free agents was there for the Lakers. They were not there for the Lakers. And there's a time for still going on right now, even a a franchise as good or as big of a market as the New York Knicks, it's not an attractive destination. Uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went to Brooklyn. They didn't go to New York. They could have went to New York. They chose Brooklyn. So um, this is kind of a... It changes, but for the most part, certain franchises can build a certain way. The Blazers have to build a completely different way. So when I see that Lillard is unhappy with the current situation, can the Lakers swoop in and do what they've done in the past, the way they've grabbed other stars? I don't think that's happening with Damian Lillard. I don't. And there's a number of reasons why I don't think it's going to happen. And I'd say probably the biggest reason why I don't think it's going to happen, first of all, there's the financial side of things. There's cap space that you have. It's having to try to match contracts. There's all that stuff. Put all that stuff to the side. The Portland Trailblazers are not going to try to help the Los Angeles Lakers. They're just not going to. The Portland Trailblazers aren't going to uh, trade one of the most clutch, perfect fit he would be for the Lakers. Um, So the Lakers would have this ridiculous trio of superstars that would win the next two NBA championships. You know, now we have the conversation of, well, Lakers, Brooklyn, if both teams were healthy, okay, here's some advantages for the Lakers. Here's some advantages for the Brooklyn. If Lakers had Damian Lillard, there is no conversation. There is no, well, you know, if if uh, Kyrie can just, no, there is no conversation. That would be uh, just an unstoppable force. And for that reason alone, other, again, I'm going to go back to this. Lakers don't have the assets. Um, what are you going to give in return? Why would the Portland Trailblazers help the Los Angeles Lakers when you would have other teams that would trade half their roster and God knows how many draft picks to have Damian Lillard on their team? So I'm not one that's going to buy into it, and I know it makes for a good storyline, and I know it's the Los Angeles Lakers, and I know it's kind of a sexy conversation. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm not going to uh, sit here and tell Laker fans that I think that that is something that I think is going to be realistic. I do not think that that's going to be realistic. All right, quick shout out here to uh, Harris Resort SoCal. Pack your victory dance. Go all in and fun at Harris Resort SoCal. Um, from dining to unwinding, fun is a sure bet at the best resort in Funner, California. Are you game for a getaway? If you're looking to just get away for a couple of days, I encourage you to just go on HarrisSoCal.com. Take a look at the website. You could start planning your trip there. If it makes sense, if you feel like that's the type of trip you're looking for, it's 110 miles away from downtown Los Angeles, HarrisSoCal.com. Okay, a couple things I'm, we're going to do when we come back. We're going to have Trevor Lane uh, come on the show shortly 
but I do want to wait until this uh, Clippers-Suns game is over, and I answered my question of, will the Suns, who got it all the way down the four, now it's back up to 12, 108 to 96, four minutes and 15 seconds left in the fourth quarter. I'm going to wait for Trevor until this game is over so we could talk a little bit about this game, and then we'll talk Los Angeles Lakers basketball. I mentioned it earlier, and I want to go back to it. I didn't get a chance to get into this. How big is this Lakers window? How big is it? How much longer can LeBron still be the best player on a championship team? I want to talk about that when we come next, or when we come back, and then Trevor Lane coming up in a little bit as well. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Still got another half hour here. If you miss any part of the show, ESPN app or on iTunes, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. By the way, we do great on the podcast, so we appreciate everybody that goes out of their way to uh, listen to it if you can't catch it live. And, of course, we appreciate everybody that's tuned in right now driving around Southern California. Uh, I want to plug in one more thing here. So about a month ago, I think, Travis and I started doing our show in the morning, so 8.55 to 11 a.m. in the morning, Monday through Friday. Um, If you guys get a chance to listen, it's a perfect combination of talking sports but also shooting the you-know-what. Um, and we're, we're talking everything, whether it's Lakers, Clippers, Dodgers, everything relevant to L.A. Um, so here we are, Clippers 112-100 over the Phoenix Suns, three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Got to be honest, kind of shocked right now. I thought Phoenix would close this thing up. Travis warned me of this this morning. He said, look, there's no lock. You wouldn't be surprised at all if the Clippers sent it back to uh, Los Angeles for a game six. Um, I am surprised. I, I did not think that that was going to be the case. Clippers up 12, three minutes left to go. It's not done yet, but every time Clippers or every time Suns got close within four or so, Clippers would go on some kind of a run. And the other score is bottom of the fourth, 2-1 Dodgers over the Giants. You could say a critical series here in June. In June. Um, how big or how long is this Lakers window? You know, I, 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 I find myself kind of following the Lakers every year since it's been, uh, since LeBron James has come to the Lakers, every year becomes, oh, this is it. This is the most important year. And then they win it, you know, they they get, because of the injuries, the groin injury, they don't even make the playoffs. It's like, well, they got to go all in now. They did. They grabbed Anthony Davis and then they won an NBA championship. Okay, well, you got to turn it around right away because we don't know how many more years LeBron's going to have and, um, you know, the short turnaround, LeBron got injured in March. Anthony Davis was never himself, got injured in February, came back. We know about the strange groin in the playoffs. This this year just was never meant to be for the Lakers. Okay, how about this upcoming season? You know, I, I try to think of what is that Lakers window down the road? Is it closed? Is it closing? Are they a year away? Are they two years away? Are they three years away? How many more years can LeBron compete with 
the best players in the world and not just be an all-star player, but still be the best player in the world. Okay, maybe you don't want to put him there. I'll put him there. But maybe you want to say, no, no, it's KD now or it's, it's Giannis or it's Embiid, Jokic, whoever you want to put there. You're not having a conversation about LeBron James out of the top three. You're just not. So I, I say that because I know this Lakers team, if they brought back the same squad, they can compete. But will be will they be the favorites to win it all? Probably not. I think they'll be one of the favorites. I think Brooklyn probably becomes the favorite again. Depending on how the Clippers finish out their run, there's going to be a lot of hype behind the Clippers of what they were able to accomplish. And then you're going to add Kawhi Leonard you know, back into the mix next season. So there's going to be a lot of hype there. Um I don't know how much longer this Lakers window is, but I do know where LeBron James is um, personally, right? Like, I do understand that LeBron James' window is, you know, obviously uh, we're not going to be sitting here in five years saying, well, here's LeBron James still making it happen. Every that, That's not going to be the case. That's not going to happen. So with all that being said, um, I think these next two years – I I remember saying this when Anthony Davis first came. If you can get one championship with LeBron and Anthony Davis and they got it in their first year, it was like, you know, what more can you possibly ask for? Well, I know what people are going to ask for, and I know this is going to be the expectations from the front office and everybody else. I think it's fair to say that Lakers have another two-year window with LeBron and AD, another two-year window. But I'd also say that I'm not comfortable just coming back with the same roster I do think they got to improve, no question about it, from a shooter perspective. I do think they, no question about it, have to improve um, from a personnel perspective of getting more, getting more veterans, getting more experience, and you know, riding on LeBron James and Anthony Davis back. It's doable, but what you got to have is, in my opinion, more talent, different type of talent. When Lakers won that championship in Orlando, the Rondos, the Dwight's, the Javales, the Danny Greens, those were key. And those players were obviously key. I wonder if Lakers are going to have a little bit more of that type of strategy uh, coming up here. Um, okay, so it's one fourteen one hundred. I think Steve, you are you are good to go to call Trevor. Let's get. I know there's two minutes left in the fourth, but it looks like this game is over. Clippers have a fourteen point lead. So let's uh, let's call Trevor Lane. We'll get him in here, and I want to get him in this conversation about what's going on here and the, in this game, and then also some of the conversations that we hit on so far uh, about the Lakers. So. Most important priorities this offseason. Most important priorities this offseason. It's funny. I, I, I've had some difficulty trying to think. I'm like, all right, is, is it the point card play? Is it the shooting? Is it the experience going again? You know, more veterans. I think I've had a difficult time trying to convince myself which one is most important. I remember, um, I remember Magic talking about how key shooters are going to be. I remember how, um, and this is just kind of listening to some of these conversations over some of the other media and what their opinions were. Um, it's it's weird to try to assess the Lakers when you have a major injury like Anthony Davis because we never got to see, okay, what's Dennis Schroeder going to be in the playoffs? What's Montrez Harrell going to be in this playoff run? The guy wouldn't even, you know, obviously wasn't getting that much playing time. Is Andre Drummond a keeper? There are so many, there are so many specific players that we had questions about when it came to um, when it came to the Lakers and when it came to the playoffs specifically and unfortunately we didn't get to see if these guys were tailor made for the postseason or they were not you know that that part never happened um, 
So that's kind of going to be some of the challenges that the Lakers have here. Okay, I want to welcome in Trevor Lane, Lakers Nation, who I'm sure is sitting watching this Clippers-Suns game, 114-100, about a minute 15 left in the fourth quarter. Trev, thank you for uh, taking some time, buddy. Um, What happened? I thought you and I would be celebrating tonight, and uh, that's not the case, Trev. Oh, I I thought so too, Alan. Yeah, this was not the night that Los Angeles was hoping for. 114 to 100. Looks like the Clippers are going to win this thing. And uh, game six, back in L.A., could very well wind up going to game seven uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Again, not not the outcome we were hoping for, but you know what? You got to hand it to the Clippers shot. Shooting almost 56% from the field. That's absolutely incredible. Reggie Jackson, uh, Paul George, Marcus Morris, all just turning in amazing performances, shooting the ball. And uh, they, they deserve the W in this one. I went with a Dan Marley jersey. Did you go Kevin Johnson? What jersey were you wearing during the game? I didn't wear a jersey because Alan, I am actually <laughs> in Phoenix right now. I, I'm out visiting some family, and I thought just being here was, oh, was enough. But, uh, but apparently, apparently it was not. It's a good move. It's a good move, Trev. You're always one-upping me over there. Um, Trev, I, I, I talked about this earlier in the show, and we're going to get into some Laker topics here. As a Laker fan, how do you kind of watch these playoffs as you watch the Clippers and the Suns? I was making this argument that, you know, it's no uh, nobody's hiding that I'd like to see the Clippers lose the series. And is some of it probably me just being a uh, spoiled Laker fan? Probably. Maybe that has a lot to do with it. But I'm also going to stand here and give credit to the Clippers because I thought once they lost to the Utah Jazz uh, it's or I'm sorry. Once Kawhi Leonard was out of that round, um, I thought it was a wrap. I thought Utah was going to take complete advantage of the Clippers, and they didn't. And here are the Clippers now, who could easily be up three games to two. Uh, two losses that they had, you know, whether it's the Paul George missing the the two free throws, um, they certainly put themselves in a position they could have won one of those two games that they lost uh, over the last couple of games. How? I guess you could say, how impressed are you that the Clippers are doing what they're doing without Kawhi? I mean, it's certainly impressive that they've got guys who are stepping up, right? You've got role players, like I said, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, these guys have stepped up. Uh, it seems like they've been able to withstand some some tough injuries, and they're they're making the necessary adjustments out there on the floor. And so, again, that's that's credit to them, even though we would prefer to see them, see them bow out. Obviously, they are. Uh, you know, Ty Lue has done a great job making adjustments game to game. Tonight he had to play without not just Kawhi Leonard, but also Abita Zubats goes out. And the Clippers are able to make the necessary adjustments. And, and guys, role players on their team have continually stepped up. And, and coming from just watching the Lakers team uh, go out in the first round where it felt like no one at all stepped up to, to deal with the injuries they were faced with, there's certainly going to be a, uh, a little bit of uh, frustration with that coming from the Lakers' perspective. Trev, how, how um, disappointing is it that two years ago – this dawned on me when I'm watching the first quarter. Right before my show started, I'm watching the first quarter, and I'm like, Lakers – or Clippers Suns. Man, is that two years in a row? All this hype between these two franchises, they start the season, Lakers and the Clippers. How disappointing is it that we have not got a chance with all the chatter and the conversation between Lakers and Clippers – that these two franchises still have never faced each other in the playoffs, number one. And number two, that they haven't faced each other, these two exact teams, right? The Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, the LeBron James, Anthony Davis. It, it, to me, has been the most disappointing part of these last two years is that we haven't got a chance to see 
two teams in the same city that for the first time actually have some storylines together, and we still haven't seen these guys go uh, go up against each other. Yeah, it's certainly unfortunate. I mean, the, the NBA has got to be really disappointed that they haven't seen that because the ratings for a series like that would be absolutely through the roof. But um, I don't know. Is this, is this destined to be like LeBron and Kobe, where they just they just never mm. play against each other in the finals? Is that is that where we're headed for? I, I doubt it. At some point, it feels like it's inevitable. But we really thought this was going to be the year. It felt like they were on a collision course and what's going to happen. And then it just was not meant to be. So at some point, it feels like it has to. But, um, man, it's certainly unfortunate that it uh, wasn't this year. Uh, Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Clippers beat the Suns 116-102. Okay, I got one more question here on the Clippers, and then we'll kind of shift things over here to the Lakers. Uh, PG, Paul George tonight, 15 of 20 from the field, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, grabbed 13 rebounds, had 6 assists, had 3 steals, and ended up with 41 points, 6 turnovers as well, but 41 points. I, um, I, I talked about how... Paul George, for me, what I've learned in this playoff run is just clear that the guy is hes not a closer. He's not comfortable being in that situation, that predicament where everything's on the line and he takes his game to even another level. And then, you know, we see what he did tonight. Is that more to do with the ex- the expectations aren't there, the pressure isn't there, that's when Paul George is more com- most comfortable? But as things kind of shift back to Los Angeles – and now they'll be expected to to hold home court, I guess you could say. Do you agree that, that Paul George has kind of shown us these flashes of, hey, this is a great player, but when you know push comes to shove, he's not one of those players that you could depend on in clutch situations? I mean, I, and look, in clutch situations, we're talking about the last couple of minutes of the game, sure, I suppose, but there's a lot of great players. Here. I mean, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Bucks don't go to him late in games because of the shooting issues that he's got. Uh, it's it's hard to discredit a player at all or 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 anything like that. Pick apart their game when he just dropped forty one and thirteen. So yeah, I mean he's a guy who, in my mind, you say clutch situation. Look, their season was on the line, and so this whole game was a clutch situation for them. And he shot fifteen. And so, I mean seventy five percent from the field. Obviously not sustainable, but that's an incredible performance in an elimination game for them. So I, I don't know if he's if it's just the. the clutch moment thing where it's late in the game you can't go to him but then does that does that matter that much if he's able to go out there with the season on the line and have a performance like this over the course of the entire game maybe not so without Kawhi Leonard if there's a close game maybe that's a problem but if Paul George just isn't that finisher but tonight I mean it's hard to say anything negative about him uh, Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation joining Lakers Talk. Uh, Trevor, I, I was having a conversation a little bit earlier. We were talking about Kyle Kuzma. I took some calls on this. I think I think Kuzma is always a kind of a fascinating conversation, and he's polarizing. A lot of people, most people I would say at this point, look at Kuz. Um, I think the perception of him has changed over the last couple of years. If they had confidence that he could be a guy that you could depend on on a night-in-night-out basis, let, let me just throw this question to you. As the mm-hmm. Lakers are every single year with LeBron James, you're kind of in an all-win situation, all-in situation. As in, if you don't win an NBA championship, it's a lost year with LeBron James. And, of course, you know as he continues to get further up in his career and the amount of years that he's played, the amount of games that he's played, how do you think the Lakers treat the Kyle, how do you think they treat Kyle Kuzma in the offseason? Is this a player that you think can still be a part of a championship contender, or you think it's smarter to say, hey, 
if we can go out and get somebody that maybe is somebody that's 10, 11 years in the league, more of a veteran, and I don't, I'm not saying I know who that player is, and I know there's a certain amount of value um, uh, that Kyle Kuzma brings to the table, but do you think Kuz is going to be a part of the, I guess you could say, big picture here to go try and get that championship run, or do you think it's a kind of a smarter um, strategy to look to see if you can get somebody that's going to be a little bit more consistent? I think it's going to be the latter, Alan. I've said this a bunch on, on my show about the Lakers Nation. I think that, that Kyle Kuzma is more likely to get traded during this offseason than at any point in any time so far with the Lakers. And he's basically been in trade rumors from day one. Um, just looking at his contract, I was, you know, just speaking logistically, now it's jumping up to $13 million. It's a little bit easier to move that kind of a salary and get some type of real value in return than when he was only making $3.5 million. Because there's not many, many players that you could go out there and target with $3.5 million in terms of salary cap matching that would really make an impact on your team. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle Kuzma is the kind of guy that you can swap for an impact player, but if you start stacking up some contracts, maybe use the 22nd overall pick in the draft, things of that nature, maybe he's a piece that you can use to, to get there in order to, uh, to, to find something. So I do think that he could very well be on the move. I don't think the Lakers will force it. I don't think they're desperate to get rid of him or anything sure. like that because I do think that the other side of this that we need to consider is that the Lakers do trade him. That creates another problem in that they have to find uh, another wing player. You have to find a guy with a similar skill set to Kyle Kuzma to replace that role because you just don't have that many wings with size, which is so important in today's NBA. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge in and of itself. But like I said, I, I do feel like Kyle Kuzma is more likely to be traded now than at any time before. Uh, Trev, final one, and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, we're talking about it. Most important, just from your perspective, what should be the most important priority this offseason? So for some of the different holes that you think the Lakers have, of course, health is going to be everything. Um, what stands out? stands out to you the most that the Lakers will have to try to find a way to fix by the time we get into next season? I mean, I think the clear thing in terms of skill sets out on the floor is the shooting. That was what really let them down aside from, you know, injuries. Injuries were obviously the, the big, big factor. But other than that, it was the shooting that caused a lot of problems for the Lakers. So they're going to be trying to find shooters. But I also think, I mean, big picture, they need a third guy. They just need a third guy. We thought that maybe Dennis Schroeder could be that. I don't know if he can. If you're going to try to save LeBron James, save Anthony Davis a little bit during the regular season, you need a third guy that you can count on to step up. And uh, I don't know that they've got that on the roster right now. So I would expect to see them scoring trades for somebody that they think can be, a guy who can kind of take over games for them when called upon. But overall, skill set-wise, I think it's outside shooting in order to open things up and punish teams that are packing the pain against them because that's the one thing they couldn't do this offseason. Trevor, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for taking the time. Always uh, uh, joining the show and talking Lakers basketball. I'm sure you and I will chat soon. Let, let's We get a little bit closer to free agency. Let's do this again. Absolutely, Alan. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Trevor. Thanks, buddy. All right, that's Trevor Lane there from uh, Lakers Nation. Um, Clippers over the Phoenix Suns, 116-102, and the Clippers freaking just won't quit. Um, when we come back, I know we got a few people that want to talk Lakers basketball. I got somebody here who wants to talk Kuzma, another one on the Lakers window. 877-710-ESPN. As we get into this final segment, I'll just dedicate it to phone calls. Thank you for being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Lakers talk on the ESPN app or on iTunes if you uh, want the full two hours. Had Yovan Buha, who called in at halftime of the Clippers-Suns game. Uh, he was in Phoenix. Trevor Lane, nice enough to join the show. Clippers over the Phoenix Suns, 116-102. to What the hell is going on here? Let's take a couple phone calls here. If you want to be a part of the show, uh, 877-710-ESPN. Greg in Granada Hills. Greg, thank you for calling, bud. What's going on? I just called up to say I think they ought to try to get Ben Simmons for Kyle Kuzma. Ben Simmons for Kyle Kuzma. Greg, thank you for calling in. Um, let me uh, let me kind of break this down here real quick. You know, here's a reality, and I know the Ben Simmons that was a hot topic once Philly was out, and you know, rightfully so, he was really, really bad in fourth quarters and really was not helpful at all to the Philadelphia 76. You can't be one of the star players on a team and be afraid to shoot the ball. And that's what exactly what he was and be afraid to shoot layups and get to the free throw line, everything else. Um, I think Ben Simmons is going to rebound back. I have a good feeling that the Philadelphia 76ers wouldn't trade Ben Simmons. First of all, part of that has to do with the fact that, you know, why would you trade somebody when their value is lower? And if they did make a trade, it's not going to be the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma. It's just not. Um, Unless you're able to, first of all, from a financial perspective, I think Ben Simmons is still owed $140 million plus, something along those lines. But they're going to go out and try to get uh, real players. And Kuz is a role player, and Ben Simmons is not a role player. I'm a fan of Ben Simmons. And I actually was saying this whenever they were eliminated. All the chatter about Ben Simmons, that the guy is trash and he's not going to do this. I'll take Ben Simmons on my team any day. The dude definitely needs a lot of work, and there's things that he's got to do on the offensive end. But I think uh, I still think he's a solid player in the league. Um, what I didn't like was Doc Rivers throwing him under the bus in the postgame show. Joel Embiid kind of doing the same thing, so that obviously doesn't help. Uh, but from a trade perspective, yeah, that wouldn't happen. Um uh, Steve, I forgot to play this. Can you play that sound with Magic? This was actually from last week when he was on with Keyshawn, um, Jay Will, and Zubin. And this kind of went into my how bi- how long is the window for the Lakers. Take a quick listen to this. I didn't get a chance to do it last week, and I, I do want to continue talking about it. How much time LeBron has left, you think? Yeah. I, I think, to me, uh, he has two hard years. I'm talking about, like, Listen, we got to get it done in these two years that I'm, I can still just be a man out here uh, dominating and playing great. So the Lakers, we got to get some pieces around here for these two years. Um, so that's Magic was on with Keyshawn talking about this window for LeBron two years. That That's part of the reason why, and I think Trevor and I hit on that for a quick second. Um, the immediate – the having the um, – the moment having to be right now, right? Like it has to happen right now for the Lakers. And when Magic says it's about two years left, I don't know if this is going to be the year, 
that Anthony Davis is on par with, okay, well, what AD brings to the table is on par with what LeBron brings to the table. It has not been that way. And even though I've kind of tried hyping it up that way over the last two years, I think AD will take his game where it's on par to LeBron James. It has not been the case. Is this the year that Anthony Davis steps up his game even more, that he puts himself in a position, puts the Lakers in a position that they could depend um, even more on him. He takes the load. He's the conversation for most valuable player. Because I I think LeBron, even as he tailors off, as he doesn't stay the best player in the world, his skill set will have him still be one of the best in the world. It's not like everything he has to do, he's going to be dependent on high flying and everything's got to be above him. No, he'll post up. He'll still dish out 10, uh, you know, uh, assists a game. He can still control the flow of a game. So I don't think it's, you know, obviously you're going to all kind of just start right out the gate going downhill, but you got to obviously start thinking about that. Let me take another quick call here. Greg and Sherman Oaks. Greg, thank you for calling in, bud. What's going on, Greg? Hey, bud. Big fan of the show. Uh, I've been a longtime Clipper fan. Uh, I've been season ticket holders. My pops has been season ticket for 20 years now. Um, I just want to say, guys, like, uh, I think instead of going out for these big names, like guys like Reggie Jackson that's on a minimum deal, I think would have been great for the Lakers this year. Um, I mean, you saw the way DeMarcus Cousins played tonight. I think trying to find pieces like this would help the Lakers out instead of, you know, going out and looking for these big names and making these, you know, trade scenarios that are probably impossible on paper. When it comes to, you know, as far as uh, the figures are concerned. Hey, Greg, it's Um, a good point because their resources are going to be different. Thank you for calling in. Lakers' resources are going to be different than than it's been in the past. It's not like they're sitting here with all this cap space. You know, I I was trying to make the argument uh, the last couple of weeks, and I know as we get closer to free agency, I'll continue to make the argument. It's not about going after, you know, Damon Lillard or Ben Simmons because you can't. Uh, That's not going to happen. You don't have the assets. But I have made the argument that certain players who will be unrestricted free agents, um, it's going to take a lot. You know, if you're not bringing back Dennis Schroeder or Dennis Schroeder wants to go sign somewhere else, can you do a sign and trade? There's a lot of things that have to go the Lakers' way in order for uh, things like this to happen. But I'm a fan of taking on players that have been in the league for a long time. Like, I, I genuinely feel like the Lakers need more vets. Um, I feel like unless they have more vets, guys that they can, you know, kind of depend on that have been in the league for a long time, I feel like the stretch is going to be tough for the Lakers uh, as they can be. Listen, they're always going to be in the mix because LeBron and Anthony Davis are there, but you don't want to be in the mix. You want to be the favorite, right? Like you want to walk into a season saying it's the Lakers and everybody else is below them, as close to that as you can be. Because coming into this next season from a competitive perspective – Think about the Brooklyn Nets. You know how much pressure is going to be on the Brooklyn Nets to win it all? You know how much pressure is going to be on the Clippers to win it all? Even though I know they're still in it. But like I said, and I said this when the show started, if they lose in this round, no one's going to say Clippers had a unsuccessful season. They're going to say, no, it was, actually was a success because of what they were able to accomplish without Kawhi. If Kawhi was here, they'd be expected to win an NBA championship. So there's going to be, you know, obviously big expectations on the Clippers, big expectations on the Lakers, big expectations on uh, the Brooklyn Nets, and then go down the list of all these other teams that had the number one seed, two seed, whatever the case is, and then didn't perform. So um, the the all-in and pushing all the chips to the uh, center of the table, that conversation is not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Okay, coming up uh, uh, to the end of the show, I, I want to just plug a couple things. First of all, thank you to Steve Paulette who's holding it down uh, in the back there. Thank you to Trevor Lane for joining the show. Thank you to Yovan Buha for uh, joining the show. 
Uh, next Lakers talk show is this upcoming Monday, so a week from today we'll continue to do the show even in the offseason from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then don't forget, tomorrow morning starting at 8.55, uh, myself and Travis Rogers will do the Travis and Sliwa show 8.55 to 11 a.m. Thank you, everybody that called in. L.A., as always, enjoy the rest of your night.